Hi, and welcome to the Dying to Ask podcast. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick. So today's show was actually not recorded to be a podcast. I had this opportunity last week to interview a guy named Colson Whitehead. Now, Colson Whitehead is probably the most significant fiction author of our time, you know, so no pressure at all. So the way I got to actually have an opportunity to spend some time with him was I was moderating the Sacramento Speaker Series, which is a really fun monthly speaker series um, where they bring in guests from all over the country and all kinds of backgrounds, um, but really big names. So my job with this whole thing is to moderate a discussion after they give their speech. And that can go anywhere from 15 minutes to I think the longest I've had to do was an hour, which is, trust me, a long time on a stage. So the speaker comes in and they give um, usually about a 45 minute talk about their work or whatever they're known for. And there are anywhere from five to 700 people probably in attendance. And it's in a huge auditorium. And it's just set up for my part at the end. I come out afterward um, and they have two chairs up on the stage. And basically, I ask some audience questions that might have been submitted before the speech. And truthfully, I ask my own questions. <laughs> it's like the greatest thing ever. So it's a little bit <clears throat> like the Dying to Ask podcast, but with a live audience. And it's just, it's been like a, just a ton of fun for me. So anyway, that is where this interview is actually coming from today. So I had this opportunity to talk to Colson Whitehead, and he was on my radar for a couple of years because his book, The Underground Railroad, which is just an amazing book. If you haven't read it yet, you should. It should definitely. It's one of those books you should buy and keep in your library. It was an Oprah recommendation, and um, I tend to do what Oprah says a lot. <laughs> so I had had this book and I really enjoyed it. His latest book is called Harlem Shuffle. So Colson Whitehead is just, he's incredible. He's like 51 years old. And a lot of people believe that he is going to be the first person this century to win three Pulitzer Prize awards in fiction. Only three other novelists, William Faulkner, John Updike, and Booth Tarkington, Tarkington have won two Pulitzers for fiction. He is the fourth person to have done that. And he has in the past been recognized for the Underground Railroad, which I just told you about. And then also another book called The Nickel Boys. Now, both of those were fiction, but pretty serious books um, with obviously pretty heavy topic because they dealt with systemic racism. Both books use this incredible storytelling and just lyrical writing to get people to talk about that subject. They're, they're brilliant. His latest book is called Harlem Shuffle. It's his eighth or ninth novel, and it is completely different. It's, well, it's fun. <laughs> it's really, really fun. It's this story about this guy, Ray Carney, who is this, like, lovable crook in 1960s Harlem, and he gets involved kind of accidentally, kind of on purpose, in a heist. And I won't tell you any more except that I really enjoyed it. It was this lovely diversion just from the realities of everyday life. And it's fantastic. You'll you'll totally love it. Let me just tell you a little bit about Colson's um, background. And I'm reading this from his website, which I assume he wrote. So it's really well written. <laughs> he was born in 1969, raised in Manhattan. He went to Harvard. 
and worked at the Village Voice, where he used to write reviews of television, books, and music. And actually, in the speech that he gave, he talked a lot about how much TV he watched as a kid, which I think a lot of us could certainly relate to. He's written a number of books, and the books are really varied. So like his first novel was called The Intuitionist, and it was about the Department of Elevator Inspectors. (laughs) It was really fun. At one point, he actually wrote a zombie book, And then the other ones that I've mentioned already that were so different. And he talks a lot about this need to not always write the same thing. And that's an interesting thing, too, because in our world of branding, people tend to do what they become known for because they become this sure thing. And he defies all stereotypes, which is something you can definitely do when you've won two Pulitzer Prizes. <laughs> so I'm really excited for you to hear the conversation today. As I mentioned, I did not record this intending it to be a podcast, so it's a little bit different. Conversation is just shy of 10 minutes long, and I originally recorded it just as a Q&A to put onto our kcra.com website. But as I listened to it, I thought, oh, I really want to share this with Dying to Ask viewers or listeners. So um, that's what you're going to listen to today. So on this Dying to Ask podcast, we'll talk about why his latest book, Harlem shuffle is such a diversion from what a lot of people had kind of learned about him um, or what he'd become known for with the Pulitzers, with the previous two books that I'd mentioned. Um, I want to know, how do you find out that you won a Pulitzer Prize? Like, what's that process like? And then also what it's like to write a crime caper and why listening to your parents early can actually save you a lot of time in the writing process. Colston Whitehead is my guest on This Dying to Ask. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I thought I had seen and covered it all. Then came coronavirus, a pandemic, anchoring in my living room, homeschooling my kids, and all the things that come with COVID, including a vaccine. It was supposed to get us all back on track and living our best Instagrammable lives. Best lives-ish. The reality is we're still untangling what life looks like in a world post-pandemic. A lot of people describe a sense of never-ending overwhelm and anxiety. Is that just what life is like now? Or are there ways we can get back to living in the now? And this season of the Dying Desk podcast is asking how we can hit the restart and start living again. Welcome to Sacramento. Have you ever been to Northern California before? Yeah, Northern California, yeah. I was in San Francisco for a year um, living at the sort of height of the dot-com era. Uh, So that was interesting. And now, of course, when I go back, you know, the city changes so much just year to year. And it's my second stop in Sacramento. I was here a couple years ago uh, talking at a college uh, a little bit north of here. I was snowed in. Well, the the plane was snowed in. So I I got two extra days here and um, got to walk around the city a bunch. So it's nice to be back. Yeah. Well, welcome. We're glad to have you back. Um, So your last two books that, you know, have been so acclaimed were um, wonderful. But they also dealt with like really heavy subjects and systemic racism and really important topics, but heavy subjects. Your latest book feels like a total detour in a really delicious way. <laughs> Was it purposeful to go in such a different direction? And as, a, as an author, is that important to do sometimes? Well, I've always switched around. So um, it's odd for me to do two serious books back to back. I usually do a book that's maybe heavy a little bit and then something lighter and switch off, maybe a short book and a long book. Um, before Underground Railroad, I did a, a zombie novel and a poker <laughs> memoir and a coming-of-age novel. So, <laughs> so skipping around is sort of my style. I think um, if you can do something 
why do it again? And uh, I've always tried to um, reflect my interests in my books. And I like serious books. I like uh, more comedic material. And so the great thing about this job is if I keep going, I get to write about all these different subjects in different and ways. Anywhere your imagination chooses yeah. to take you. Um, let's talk a little bit about Harlem Shuffle and where the, the character of Ray Carney comes from. Well, I, I had the, you know, the genre first. I wanted to write a heist novel. Um, and then who's it going to be? And I decided to have my main character be a fence, someone who deals in stolen goods. And I was doing some research and I discovered that a lot of fences have a real you know, front operation. They sell used furniture or appliances. And in the back they have you know, all the, the dirty business and the stolen goods. And that spoke to a divided self. So I wanted to have Ray Carney, my main character, be someone who you know, encompasses those different directions. He's an upstanding citizen, uh, it appears, but he has this dark side, a part of him that's saying, let's do some crime. And he's juggling the two. There's this, this wonderful thing about heist. I mean, I, I love, I, I'm a, I was a huge Ocean's Eleven fan. You know, I love the, the, the concept of the heist as a, as a trope. The, the thing that's great about a heist and, and somebody like that is you fall in love with the character and you're really rooting for them the whole time, even though they're kind of flawed. <laughs> <laughs> doing sure, some yes. bad things. I mean, they are, they are criminals. Yes, there is that. Yeah. But, they, they, but it can go either way. They can, you know, plot and plan and pull off the heist and transcend fate, their destiny, by getting this caper together. Or another, you know, genre, another subgenre of the heist uh, story, everything goes wrong. They plot and plan and the, the safe crackers back on heroin, uh, the wheel man's fighting with his wife. And so all these little sort of human elements come in and destroy their attempt to transcend their grubby lives. And um, what I like about, you know, Cardi and Harlem Shuffle is that he does put the planning in and, you know, sometimes he pulls it off. He does transcend his origins. The book is set in 1960s Harlem. What drew you to that time? Um, I think, uh, you know, Underground Railroad was 1850s America. <laughs> Uh, Nickel Boys was Florida in the 60s. I just want to be close to home, a little, you know, not, not as hard. I don't have to imagine what kind of clothes they're wearing. Um, and I, I, love, I love New York. I love writing about it in different ways. Um, I was not alive in the 60s, um, so imagining my parents' New York was fun and, and going to the New York Times archive and newspaper archives and uh, figuring out um, the language, the political atmosphere of the city, and of course, um, since Carney is a furniture salesman, what kind of stuff he has in his showroom. It was all this really fun research. Yeah. <clears throat> One thing we share in common is that our parents were in that area at the same time. My, my parents were immigrants from Ireland and, and ended up in New York in the late 50s and the early 60s. And it is interesting to hear the, the stories that they had from that time about what a magical place it was, regardless of what borough you were in, it was nothing but the hope of opportunity for a lot of people. No, sure. I mean, in the, in the late uh, 1800s, um, Harlem was, you know, pasture and starting to become buildings and, and communities. And it was a revolving cast of Irish, Italians, Jewish people coming in, trying to make it in the city. And then they, you know, move to the suburbs. They do actually climb the economic ladder. And then black Americans from the South and the Caribbean come in. And so what I love about, about walking around Harlem is that there'll be a townhouse from 1870. And so many different types of people have come through this one 
this one uh, piece of property with their dreams, moving in, starting a family, uh, rising in a system, and then leaving. And, uh, and they're still going on. You know, Harlem is still ha has that great churn of, of, of people trying to make it in the city. I read that um, your mother had some thoughts on some of the things that you mentioned in the book. So you have to fact check, because you're mentioning real yes. places in the well, book. Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that it was actually her New York. And so I would do this research about the Hotel Teresa or um, this ice cream store that was around in the 60s and then tell my mother. And she's like, oh, yeah, I was there all the time, you know, <laughs> chock full of nuts. I would go there before I went to work. I should, I should have just asked her instead of doing the, the, real, <laughs> the, the real work. Isn't it funny to think about the resource that you actually had there? Yes, yes. 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 Um, how important is fact-checking? Even if you're writing about relatively recent history, um, people love to call people out on, you missed that one little detail. No, yeah, I mean, uh, you try to get it right. It's, it's, you know, it can be anxiety-producing. It turns out um, some of the people who are alive in the 60s are still around and have some <laughs> opinions about different things. Very strong opinions. So, so uh, um, I haven't gotten too many letters, but I'm sure there are some disgruntled people who are like, no, actually that restaurant was closed or no, no one of a, you know, a good type of, a good upstanding black person would never live on that street. So, um, I'm waiting for the, the letters to come in. You've won uh, two Pulitzer Prizes. What is that like? And how has that changed the way you work and, and maybe some of the opportunities that come your way? The main thing is that I'm not teaching. You know, I, I really can just, can just write. Um, it, also, it also means I travel more. So I've learned to write in hotel rooms and on planes as I go to visit foreign publishers in Norway and Finland and, and China. So, um, but having the time just to really think of my kooky ideas has been, has been really nice. <laughs> Uh, so that's the main thing, but it's still, uh, you know, a difficult job. And so I was trying to figure out things about my new project today, this afternoon, and it never gets easier. And, you know, if it did get easier, it wouldn't be worth doing. So does that surprise people that it doesn't get easier? Is there an assumption by some that it's... I keep telling people, no one believes me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> and after, you know, 25 years of writing, sometimes people get the book and sometimes they don't. And so I've, I've written books for no one particularly cared when it came out, and I know that that can always happen, so I just try to do my best with each, each book and not take it for granted. What's the greatest thing about writing these days? Um, I think there's still the original joy of coming up with a character or, or a sentence or an image that you didn't know you were going to come up with that morning. And so there's a breakthrough in terms of, oh, the story should go this way, or this, you know, three, these three words sum up this character in a certain way perfectly. And all that stuff is just a really beautiful surprise. You never know what you're going to discover over the course of the day or what will click and what will sort of fix the book. What a great way just to look at life in general. Uh, in books, not life. But, but yes, <laughs> but in books it seems to work. I'm not so sure about the rest of it. Great. Well, thank you very much. It never fails to surprise me after all these years of interviewing people that you can meet somebody who you know is quite literally one of the best people on the planet at what they do. And he is... When it comes to fiction writing, he is one of the best. Two Pulitzers, probably going to have a third one here shortly. And he's one of the best. And yet, you can have a conversation about the most dumb stuff with them. So, for example, I was asking him, what do you do on a day where you're just not into it? You don't feel like writing or the words just aren't coming. And he said he plays video games. Just sits down, plays some video games. He wastes time just like like we do. You know, procrastinates and does that kind of thing. And um, 
it was just kind of nice to know that it's not always easy for somebody that brilliant. If you haven't read any of his books yet, I highly recommend them. The Underground Railroad and The Nickel Boys definitely will make you think. A little bit more serious. If you just need a really good beach read diversion this summer, Harlem Shuffle is awesome. It's set in 1960s New York City, and everything is just like flawless in it. And there is a sequel in the works set in the 1970s. So if you love New York and you want to hear a little bit more, I think it would be a great one to add to your personal library at home. Actually, it'd also be a really good one if you're in a book club. I could see you having a good conversation about it as well. Thanks for listening to Dying to Ask, and we'll see you again next time.